Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... We've got good news. The world is open again, and people like you, people of faith, are traveling to Catholic sites around the world. Want to travel with exceptional Catholic leaders this fall, next year, or in the future? Are you looking to see specific sites, celebrate traditional Latin Mass, or travel to destinations without vaccine requirements? We are here to help you deepen your faith on pilgrimage. Give us a call at 1-800-842-4842 or visit us online at selectinternationaltours.com. Select International Tours is your pilgrimage company, and we have the perfect Catholic trip for you. Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Welcome back to The Shepherd's Pie, a slice of hope to raise faithful kids. I'm Tony Kolank, a professor at Ave Marie School of Law, father of five, a columnist for Practical Homeschooling Magazine, and the author of the suspenseful series for teens, The Harwood Mysteries. Uh, By the way, I need to be on my best behavior today because my guest is none other than Gary Jansen, who is my acquisitions editor at Loyola Press. Gary's been working on my award-winning teen series. I know we've got book five coming out hopefully later this year and book six still being written by me. Don't worry, Gary, I will get it done by the deadline. Um, Anyway, but we will be speaking today not about my books, but about how we can develop spirituality in our kids. My guest today is Gary Jansen, the executive editor of Acquisitions at Loyola Press. He's a popular speaker, an award-winning author of several books, including Microshifts, The 15-Minute Prayer Solution, and Station to Station. His latest book is actually a children's book that he's written with his wife, Grace. It's called Remember Us with Smiles. Gary has appeared on TV on channels such as A&E, the Sundance Channel, Travel Channel, NPR, a whole bunch of stuff. And he worked for about 25 years at Penguin Random House, where he actually edited a whole lot of uh, New York Times bestsellers, including books by Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. So I definitely need to ask him about that. But Gary, uh, welcome to The Shepherd's Pie. Tony, thanks for having me on the show. It's great to see you. So with a bio like that, there's just a lot of stuff. We could just spend our our whole show talking about your bio, but we won't do that. But uh, maybe you could tell us a little bit about how you got so involved in not just writing, but editing uh, at big publishers. And why don't we just start with that? I was really fortunate that essentially right out of college, about almost a year after um, I graduated university, I was able to get a job at what was at that time Random House. And so I worked there and kind of just worked my way up from being an editorial assistant, worked in the marketing department for a number of years, actually left for a little while in order to go on this kind of spiritual quest, and then came back and was fortunate enough that they asked me to come back and, and they even gave me a promotion, which was pretty amazing. So they merged with Penguin a few years back. So really just worked my way up the ladder. You know, for about 10 or 11 years, I was the, uh, worked on image books. And for a number of those years, I was the, the director there uh, toward the end of my tenure. 
at Penguin Random House. And that was amazing because it's the only major Catholic publishing house of the big five publishers like HarperCollins and places like Simon & Schuster. And so I got to edit people like Scott Hahn and Robert Barron. So I got to work on this Catholicism book when he was doing the Catholicism series. You know, a number of books that Scott did, including uh, The Fourth Cup and Signs of Life, as well as working with like Brent Petrie, John Allen, Amy Wellborn, uh, Colin Carroll Campbell. So we really had some of the greatest living Catholic writers at that imprint. And I was, you know, every day for me was like going to school because I would get to know these authors and also get to work on their books. And I was learning new stuff every day. Wow. And you didn't even mention in there the two popes, Pope Benedict and Pope Francis. Before we get into kind of talking about kids, uh, what's that like editing a (laughs) book written by the Holy Fathers? So I really had the great fortune of being the editor for Pope Benedict on his last book, which on his last book in the Jesus of Nazareth series. So that was the infancy narratives. So that was book three. And that was in 2012. And then got to meet him and stay at the Vatican, actually. So I got to stay at the dorm of Santa Marta and got to meet him and he turns in a very clean manuscript, <laughs> Tony. <laughs> that was a very, very clean manuscript. And got to uh, be in his presence with a number of other publishers that we were all there for the launch date. And I remember that date was November 20th because it was my son's birthday. And I felt really bad that I was missing my son's birthday back home. But strangely enough, I was able to hop a flight later that day and with the time change, get home before his birthday was over. So the uh, I missed the beginning, but got in for like the last couple of hours. And so I, I technically made it to his birthday and that was great. Then I was the editor on a number of books um, with Pope Francis. So we did a really special edition of The Joy of the Gospel with uh, Robert Barron uh, writing an intro and then also James Martin uh, writing an afterward, right? So we kind of had a very... Uh, let's say a progressive like Catholic and very you know conservative Catholic. And we had Pope Francis in the middle. And so what I love about being involved in one of those projects uh, in that project in particular was that I think my, I look at my, the work I do as a ministry and it really is about finding a common vernacular where Catholics and Christians from all walks of life and secular people as well can just find a place to speak and so that book for me was was a bridging book, was really like, how do you bridge these kind of sides? And, you know, with Pope Francis kind of put in the middle. So that was great. And we did a couple other books with Pope Francis as well. And uh, those manuscripts, you know, <laughs> were a little um, challenging at times, but ultimately they were both wonderful experiences. Hopefully you didn't have to correct too much of the Pope's theology uh, with those books. <laughs> <laughs> no, but we caught quite a bit of typos, actually, on the, uh, <laughs> the, the joy of the gospel, which we sent in and had fixed. So. All right. And you mentioned your kids. And I, I know you, uh, one of your books, Micro Shifts, although I guess it's not a kid's book. I know you had told me uh, in advance of this that you actually wrote that book for your kids. Uh, wh- what is that Micro Shifts book? Yeah. So Micro Shifts is m- the last adult book I did. Our newest book is Remember Us With Smiles, which is a children's picture book. But Micro Shifts is a um, subtitle is Transforming Your Life uh, One Step at a Time. And micro shifts are really these tiny little changes that you can do in your life. You don't have to, it's it's not even about cultivating habits, but it's, there are small things that we could do daily or sometimes not do every day that can really just expand our spirituality and expand our life. And I really did write it for my kids in mind as they were getting older, really as a reminder of like, 
you know, the easiest things or the most basic things sometimes are the things that we forget. And so the book really is a reminder to them. They were both teenagers at the time, uh, young. Um, Charlie wasn't even a teenager at the time when I wrote that book. But it's good to get back to basics. So that book is really about what are the small steps that you can take to get back to basics if you feel like you're off the path? You know, and it's all based on this premise. I'd written another book called The 15-Minute Prayer Solution. And that's all based on that there's 1,440 minutes in a day. 1% of that time is 14 minutes and 24 seconds, which is roughly 15 minutes. So there are things that you can do to deepen your spiritual practice, to deepen your spiritual life that you can do in under 1% of your time, under 15 minutes. And adding these things into your life, making tiny shifts and saying, hey, you know what? I'm just going to add this, this meditation, this prayer, this moment of silence, this act of charity into my life. It can be on a daily basis, or sometimes it can be just, you know, spur of the moment type deal thing. And it can really do wonders for us. And so, yeah, that book is written at a level that I think both adults and like teenagers can really get something out of it. But it really is about remember your basics. You know, anyone who's ever like played baseball or basketball, you do your layups and you do your layups every day, right? You do, you know, when you're pitching, you warm up every day. And so you're doing fastballs and then you move on the curveballs and all of that. So it's really about daily practice and, and making spirituality easy for people to digest. And once you like plant the seed of like 15 minutes a day, it can really like take root and grow. And I suspect that uh, some of those concepts are some of the very things that we might be able to use with kids to also develop their spirituality. And so, all right, so you got your children's book. So before we kind of dive full bore into the spirituality talk, tell us about Remember Us with Smiles. I was looking through uh, the beautiful illustrations you have in there. And uh, what's that book about? Yeah, you know, it's um, so it's a 32-page illustrated children's book. And I wrote it with my wife, Grace, who is very graceful. <laughs> She's the epitome of grace. And uh, illustrated by a woman named uh, Barbara Bongini, who's actually an Italian artist. The book is is really about a celebration of family, right? And it's about the special moments, not even necessarily special moments, the ordinary moments in a family's life that in retrospect are very special, right? And are those moments of just togetherness that create bonds and at the same time elevate the status of family, right? And a lot of times family can be a, a charged word for some folks. You know, I kind of grew up in in a bit of, of a broken home, right? So for many years, like the idea of family was something, you know, I felt like I wanted to reject that I wanted to be alone or I wanted to be on my own. But it was really kind of like, you could even say it was really my wife. Her name is Grace for a reason, I think, that she brought this this sense of, of family and togetherness into my life. And, and we've tried to pass that along to our children. So the book is really something to read with children. And it plays essentially the remember game, which is, do you remember what you did when you were this age? Or do you remember when we went out, we pretended we were knights and, you know, fighting dragons. And, and, and we tried it out on kids before it was published. And just like, just to get them to say, do you remember all of a sudden the floodgates open and children just like they respond. So the book is supposed to bring families together so that they can talk about memories and the things that, that bring them together. And it's also can be a book that adults read as well. I've given it to a, a number of adults who even don't even have children, but it makes them think of their own parents or grandparents. And there's, you know, I think in thought, in memory, there's love. There can be, you know, where there's love, there's God. So I think memories are kind of a bridge to understanding God better. 
You said there's a scene in the Remember Us with Smiles book with a dragon that had kind of a spiritual lesson under it. Uh, tell us about that before we go on. Yeah. So one of the things I really did in the book, it's not on the surface. On the surface, you could read this, you know, you could give this to your atheist friends, you could give this to your Catholic friends, your Christian friends, Jewish friends, doesn't really matter. It was written for all audiences. But on each <laughs> on each spread, you know, when we were working through this, I wanted to make sure that there was a spiritual lesson, right? So the book opens with the family in nature, embracing, you know, the wonders of God in nature. Now, we don't say that directly. That's how it starts. It starts in nature. And then it moves on to a scene with um, a dragon where the mother and the father and the two sons are remembering a time when they pretended they were knights and and went out in search of a dragon. But it turned out that the dragon was really a bird. But that whole idea is that we, you know, every day we have to encounter our own dragons. And so I chose a dragon for a very obvious reason for me, which was to get across that that spiritual lesson, which is we have to encounter our dragons, right? We should stand up against them. Uh, we should be brave and to live, try to lead courageous lives. But oftentimes when we encounter the dragon, you know, you flip the page and it turns out it wasn't a dragon at all. It was a bird, right? And so a lot of times these things that seem like big obstacles oftentimes aren't. There is a great anecdote about Teresa, about the little flower. And so I think the little flower is kind of walking through a garden and she hears these like demonic roars like come in behind a bush and she's walking with another nun and and they get very, the other nun gets very frightened, but um, the little flower is just like, yeah, don't worry about it. I know what this is, right? And these roars, they're just, you know, if you and I heard them, we'd be dropping to the ground just in, in terror. But the little flower decides, hey, you know what? I'm going to go see what this is. And she pulls back the bush. And there's like these two teeny, and they're just like this. And they're, you know, smacking each other, laughing, right? Laughing their tails off. And and then and one's like this, watch, right? And makes this roaring noise. And she clears her throat and they look up and they get so terrified they disappear, right? So sometimes the bark can be worse than the bite in life. And so each spread tries to have a spiritual lesson in it. And that was what I wanted to bring into the whole dragon scene. And so I guess, I mean, maybe we are talking about chosen spirituality here already. I mean, uh, you know, what are some of the the things, I mean, you've learned as a, as a dad and obviously you've been around a lot of Christianity, uh, you know, in your work life, products for children. What are some things that parents or teachers can do to really help develop their kids' spirituality? I mean, that's such a big deal with so many families, you know, kids are going to grow up and will they really know God and, you know, stay in the faith and all that kind of thing. Yeah, I mean, I think a big part of it is just to talk about it. You know, I've given a, um, I was given a talk a couple of weeks ago at Kellenberg High School. And at the end, the moderator, you know, said like, you know, it's so great to like be in a school and have these conversations and, and to talk about this and not be afraid to speak about the faith. Because if you're a faithful person and you try to go out in the world and speak Catholic-y, christian you will probably more likely than not get shot down or be in a place where it's it's uncomfortable or or, or whatever it is. But being able to kind of like just speak to your family on a daily basis, just about faith. We pray, we try almost every night that we're together for meals. It's a little more difficult now that my son is um, older, my older son is older. But just praying before every meal, praying when we're outside in a restaurant, praying if we're like about to eat a bagel, like in a little bagel shop or whatever, just making sure that 
you know, we make the sign of the cross and that we pray. And we pray together as a family, or my wife and I pray together if we're in public and we're about to break bread or have a meal. So to really just make sure it's a daily, you know, it's something, it's a daily point, you know, pray together. And if you can't pray together all at the same time, to just be able to talk about it when you are together and not be afraid of it. And I think that just, you grow up and it's who you are. It, it becomes a part of you. And and it, it does get a little difficult. And I think we were part of the, after that talk I gave a couple of weeks ago, it's like, maybe we need to like do more for kids to go to Catholic school or maybe homeschool because once they get out into the world, right, it can be difficult to maneuver, which is why I think the work that I did at Penguin Random House and what I do now at Loyola is really about trying to find, not to lose our identity, but to find a common vernacular where people can come together and they can speak and they can be open about the things that they believe. You know, what's interesting is, especially as kids get older, some kids become more difficult to talk to about faith. I don't know if that was uh, your experience with your family, but I've seen it in my own and uh, in other people's families. Um, sometimes it's even easier to talk about faith when you're a total stranger walking into the classroom mm -hmm. than if you're a parent or the kid's actual teacher. Any advice in that area where, of course, you want to talk about the faith, but it feels uncomfortable to do it because of the attitude the kid is giving? You know, absolutely. And, and even with my, my older son, there was a there was a period there where he definitely did not like want to talk about any of this. And so part of that's just patience, you know, I mean, Pope Francis and St. Ignatius say trying to meet people where they are. Right. So a lot of times there's when we wrote Remember Us with Smiles, there was an intent to try to speak a universal language. Right. To talk about universal uh, experiences. You can talk about your faith by acting your faith, right? It's St. Francis, or I think it's St. Francis that says, you know, preach the gospel always and sometimes use words. So maybe at those points, it's really not necessarily about speaking per se, uh, especially if someone shuts down, because if someone shuts down, I mean, it's just, I think it's frustrating on both sides and I'm not sure how, how, how much, what help that does for anybody, but then to just kind of like live your faith, you know, let people see your acts of charity, not that you want to like boast about it, but just live by example, right? So it's not like, hey, look at me, look at me, but just live your life in a Christian uh, Catholic sort of way. And I think people come around, you know, and sometimes you have to leave like the prodigal son in order for you to find out like what's going on. And then you come back and there is something really special about that kind of like going out and coming back. I mean, T.S. Eliot talks about it in the four quartets is kind of like leaving and then you kind of come back you know, you return home to find yourself like brand new again. And so sometimes that's part of the spiritual journey that I think a lot of times, spiritual and mythical journey, that I think a lot of times we don't have that vocabulary to talk about in society because we're really kind of a materialist society. So the idea of like living a mythological life or living like by these or living a spiritual life can be really difficult, you know, to understand or for people to, to jive with. I think from a really early age, I, I tried to like just press upon my my family the importance of myth. And by that, uh, just by the importance of like trying to live a heroic life, I fall short of it all the time. But if you could start with a mythic life, right, and then de develop that into the spiritual life, right, they go hand in hand in a lot of ways. Uh, but those points of contact, those points of, hey, you know, and, and we have that in the sacraments, right? The sacraments are initiation into different stages of life. And in the secular world, it would be great for us to talk more about myth. And in our, you know, very like, you know, religious world, 
you know, to really just be attuned to to our faith and to the sacraments and to and to realize how important they are. And so thank goodness for the Eucharistic revival that's going on now to get to drive home, you know, the importance of, of the sacrament. And you mentioned earlier this, uh, you mentioned Ignatian spirituality, and I saw that you've actually talked about Ignatian spirituality sometimes. Well, first of all, what what is that? And is that something that we can actually use with our kids? Absolutely. So the uh, so Ignatian spirituality is just the spirituality, kind of the, the teachings of St. Ignatius of Loyola, who was a 16th century, uh, you know, Spanish warrior turned saint. You know, he wrote something called the Spiritual Exercises, which for me was really kind of my introduction to coming back to being a Catholic. So I was, you know, went to Catholic school for 12 years, went to school, like left the faith behind, you know, ended up in a little retreat center. So this little pamphlet on the spiritual exercises read and went, holy smokes. I didn't realize that my faith could be something like that. The cool thing about spiritual exercise and Ignatian spirituality is it's practical elements, right? So spiritual exercises themselves are really kind of dry and the spiritual exercises itself are really more for spiritual directors to lead others. It's not like a great place to start, but there's so many like good books out there on the spiritual exercises that make it relatable for modern people. So absolutely. I mean, one of the big edicts that comes from, from Ignatian spirituality is the idea of, of seek God in all things. And we, we should, right? And there's sanctity and sacredness and holiness when we realize, really realize and live it that God created the universe, which means everything in it is a creation of God, right? And seek that, like seek how God is present in your home, you know, in the individuals that you live with, in uh, uh, the current events that are going on, in your environment, in the things you don't like, in your enemies, like where is God present in your enemies? And these can be challenging questions, but also I think it's, it's something that I think kids like grasp, right? If you could say, hey, you know what? God's the creator of all things. Where can you find God? You know, I think uh, it really gets their minds going. You ask the child a question and if the child's present enough at the moment, you know, they're going to want to like give some answers, even if it's, you know, and, you know, and, and then just kind of like embrace those answers and then work with the child on that. And I think that's, is just, you know, being able to just, start from there, which is, you know, how do we find God in all things? And we're created in the image of God. I mean, that means me looking at you, Tony, you know, means that I'm looking at God, right? Because you're, you're the image of God coming right back at me. And so if we can really look at others, I mean, think about the peace that we might have in the world, but, but we don't, right? We ignore people or we don't look at them or we reject the image or we reject the idea that the image of God is all around us. But that all comes back to Ignatian spirituality, find God in all things. How do I find God in my, my friends? How do I find God in my enemies? Beautiful, powerful concepts there. Uh, what about going back to your, your discussion about micro shifts, maybe specifically applying that to kids. And I don't know if there's different ages uh, that it applies better to, but what, what might you say on that? Yeah. I mean, for me, I'm really, I love like short prayers. And so I try to teach my kids, but you know, anytime I could pass along a short prayer for someone to just say, Hey, look, there's not, there's not a lot of effort, but if you're feeling disillusioned, if you're feeling scared, if you're feeling like no one understands you, you know, I'll offer just, you know, multiple like ones, whether it's repeating to myself, come Holy Spirit, you know, you're just asking for the presence of the Holy Spirit to come into you. 
Um, or the one I really care about, uh, I mean, I care about them all, but the one that really, really resonates with me is, you know, sacred heart of Jesus, I trust in thee, or sacred heart of Jesus, I trust in you. And to repeat that, you know, because a lot of times we have all this chatter inside of our head, and I have theories on where it all comes from. But we have all this chatter that goes on inside our head, and it's distracting. And a lot of times that chatter can be really negative. And, and I think social media is, is, in a lot of ways, is is a reflection of some of this negative chatter that goes inside our head. So I think it's hard for us when we feel pain to hold on to it. We want to be able to give it away. We want to get rid of it, right? And sometimes the way we get rid of pain is to like try to give it to other people. So whatever we can do to kind of like do to replace some of that chatter with the sacredness of Christ's name and the most holy name. And so, you know, repeating, you know, having a child repeat, hey, you know what, when you're scared or when you're frustrated, you know, just repeat to yourself, sacred heart of Jesus, I trust in you sacred heart of Jesus, I trust in you. And that's a very small thing you can do, but just intoning the name of Christ, it, it's a blessing and it can lead to miracles. The more that we can keep Christ in our hearts and in our minds, uh, the more we keep out all this other garbage. So, Yeah, that Jesus, I trust in you, definitely, you can pull that out pretty much in, on any occasion <laughs> when any anything's occasion. going on. You know, I, uh, I I work with students at the law school and we have to, you know, interview clients and things like that together. And sometimes <laughs> the students are nervous. But the other one that I like to use is let the words of my mouth be pleasing to you. So basically, right before we do an interview, we might just say, Lord, let the words of our mouth be pleasing to you. Okay, guys, now we can do the interview. We, we, we got this. We got this. No problem at all, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, it's the power of blessing, too. Uh, I do some work with Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, who's the chief exorcist in Washington, D.C., and we talk about lay blessings, right? And and the, the authority that parents have to bless their children and, and to really, like, embrace that, right? Um, as the head of a household or as heads of the household, you have a special grace, right? And so you have the power to like bless your children and to use that and to allow children to kind of like bless themselves too by repeating these, you know, these, these short prayers. And I mean, it's tough. I think the Jesus prayer is really effective, which is Lord Jesus Christ, son of the living God, have mercy on me. Like Lord Jesus Christ, have mercy on me. That one I feel is like incredibly effective. It can be sometimes tough in terms of like giving that one to kids because you're asking for mercy, you're, you're repeating that you're a sinner. That's why I, I always go back to like the Sacred Heart one, which I think is just something that's that's so universal. And this idea of, of having trust in God, like if you can have trust in God, there really isn't anything that you can't do. Yeah, I use the have mercy on me a sinner phrase all too often. Um, but yeah, it might be a good one to use when the kid is getting in trouble. Have yeah, them, there you uh, go. No, Lord Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. <laughs> well, this is great. I mean, a lot of this is really, uh, you know, like you said, little little bits of wisdom, and and it's those little things. Maybe those are the things that the kids ultimately will remember with smiles. Ha, huh? uh, going yeah, absolutely. With that. You know uh, so, if folks want to get a hold of some of your writings or learn more about you, uh, where would you uh, like them to go? Sure. So the website is garyjansen.com. And then, uh, you know, all the books are on Amazon and uh, you can try your local bookstore as well. And so, and if anyone ever has questions, there's a way of contacting me on my website. Just, you know, I get lots of notes, which is great. Um, it means people are reading stuff, which is good. <laughs> so yeah, feel free to reach out. Wonderful. Well, Gary, thanks so much for taking the time to be with us today. Uh, really a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much, Tony. God bless.
Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for the show today. We've been speaking with Gary Jansen about developing spirituality in our kids. Again, this is Anthony Brown Colank. If you have a question or a topic you want me to cover, go ahead and drop me a line on my website at antonycolank.com. Uh, you can also learn more about my historical fiction series for teens, The Harwood Mysteries. Until next time, may God bless you and your families as we work together to raise faithful kids.